prioritise the big stuff, you know, and the big stuff is getting the crop off the field. That has to be number one, you know, and then try and deal with, with straw and stubble cultivation and the catch crops after that. Like, but, the, you know, we've limited resources on every farm. And I think for the moment, I think the advice from our end anyway should be like that, you know, the big stuff is the crop. July has been the wettest on record in many weather stations with over two and a half times the long-term average rainfall. In comparison to 2022, many stations have recorded over four times the rainfall. Soils are wet and harvest is behind on many farms. Farmers continue to snatch and grab crops where they can, but this isn't easy. Losses from shedding and lodging are compounded by high moistures, but every ton in the shed is a ton saved. You're listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow, and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. The poor weather is expected to continue with no let up for the next few weeks, so it won't get any easier for the harvest. I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Chagas, to discuss the harvest and other tasks which farmers need to complete over the next few weeks. Kieran, it's been extremely difficult over the last few weeks to get the harvest completed. You might give us a bit of an update about where the harvest is at the moment. As you say, it's been a really difficult time, really. You know, I suppose initially the harvest started quite early. We had obviously that that fine weather in June and, you know, the start of July there, you saw you saw a good bit of the winter barley harvested. But I was just looking at figures yesterday there from Metairn and like, you know, the likes of, of Moore Park, which would be close to me, you know, long-term average was 62 mils for July and we had 150. And wetter in the northeast end, on any long-term average there, 61 mils, you know, and we've had 185. So that's three times the normal for July. So I suppose that's the the nub of where we're at in terms of, of progress, really. It's just been a, a real stop-start affair. What is on record, I believe, Kieran, according to the, according to Matt Aaron yesterday? It's, um, you know, it's really just disrupted the harvest, Michael, really. That's the, that's the bottom line of it, you know. So, as you say, some of that winter barley started to be harvested about uh, probably three weeks ago now or more. Jeez, maybe even even a bit longer now. Is uh, Was there much of that straw at all baled from that crop? It was a bit of a smash and grab, really. So, like, as you say, there was actually, we had, we had, we had June barley this year. You know, which was which is very unusual. I suppose. Look, the majority of it was was into the early days of July, but but really, there's very little of that straw baled. I mean, farmers got in, they got stuff cut. You know, but like it was very difficult. You just weren't get that second and third day that you needed to get the straw. You know. So that must look like a bit of a mess in the field now at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Look, some of that stuff, as you say, is down with with four weeks or more in 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 some cases, you know. And I suppose we'll we'll probably be talking more straw later on. But I, I I think a lot of farms have just made the decision not to touch it really until until the weather just comes right that you're going to get a a prolonged spell of weather together to to manage that. We might come back to that again in a few minutes. But just come back to the harvest again in terms of the um, the other the other crops that are that are out there and probably ripe. Um, winter oilseed rape was certainly one that would be tricky if it was left in the field, uh, you know, any for any distance past when it was really ripe. Yeah, I, I, I mean, growers have made good enough progress with it. You know, again, as I say, this kind of when you were getting those couple of fine days, like the area of oilseed rape is in around twenty odd thousand hectares, and I suppose you can go from not much rape cut to quite a lot cut in a very short space of time when you do get those two or three days together, you know. So I think there's been reasonable progress, certainly in rape. It's it's probably not all done, but I I, I think there is good progress in it at this stage. Um in terms of yield, it's been quite variable. Um 
Like we came off the back of a season last year where most crops were in around the two ton mark and it was absolutely fabulous year. But this year we are seeing some of those two ton crops, but a much wider variation. You know, you're hearing some of those 1.6, you know, 1.5 crops as well. So it's hard to get a handle on exactly why, but um, but there certainly is quite a bit of variation in it, you know. That's uh, ton, tons per acre, obviously, here. Yeah, yeah. I hear, I, I just heard, heard just up this part of the world, and there's certainly some, most of the, of the rape is actually cut, but there is a little bit of it um, still here and there. And I, I, I just heard a, a few people talking about the difficulty of getting contractors when you actually wanted to get them. Because, I mean, in fairness, most crops were pretty big, and you do need that side knife to be able to get in to cut them. So, uh, with such a small um, uh, window, it was people were still waiting, I suppose, to, to get the right combine in to try and do the job. Was that a case down south at all? Yeah, certainly. Look, as I say, it's 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 just that the winter, I suppose, oilseed rape growers generally are, are fairly well equipped themselves. A lot of them, you know, it's, I suppose, look, as you say, you need the side knife and, and, and that to cut it. Um, but again, you know, the area on farms sometimes wouldn't be huge. So they do, if you do get that window, you get through it, you know. Um, and I suppose, look, it was up to now, you were sort of look hoping to get that moisture down around that, that 9, 10 mark at, at this stage if there's rape to be cut you're certainly going to um take it at higher moisture to to get it because you will get shedding and and, and lodging losses from now on obviously and was there much shedding here around the country from rape no i don't think so not huge i suppose we're, we're kind of fortunate enough um that pod shatter resistance is built into a lot of the main varieties now so they can withstand fair you know um fair bits of weather and certainly but you know, once crops get overripe, you know, you are going to get seed losses. And I suppose it's those later ones where, where the, the losses would have been, you know. And moving on then to spring oats, being the other one that was fairly well ripe, there, there's certainly progress being made up this part of the world. How is it looking across the country, do you think? Yeah, I think winter oats has done reasonably well. You know, I suppose just talking to advisors there in the last few days, you know, I think, again, a little bit of variation in it. But I think three and a half ton per acre seems to be a quite common, you know, um, I think quality has been been quite good as well. So, again, it's certainly not all cut, but I think there's been good progress in the last in the last cutting window anyway, Michael. Yeah. Okay, and the other one, I suppose, that was that was up for 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 the going. We put two two other ones. Spring barley, I think the earliest part of that has started, but there was also a little bit of winter wheat. I think uh, harvested as well. Yeah, just under wheat first. Um, there certainly was. Um, and again, quite a bit of variation. Again, now now we're it'd be a bit early to cast judgment on winter wheat because there's there's obviously the majority is to be cut, but like the early reports seem to be a lot of crops in around the four. But the variation really due to the better crops where following maybe a break crop like beans or oilseed rape, where you had ditch to ditch. In other words, that you didn't have any, you know, feed losses, you know, where you'd bear patches due to water logging last winter. Uh, and on the flip side of that, some of the lower yields then coming from where you had those missing bits in fields, you know, and maybe not a fair, favorable rotation, but probably early enough yet to, to, um, to, to be trying to put an overall figure on it. But certainly I think the better crops seem to be yielding okay in fairness okay yeah well that's that's good and and, and the spring barley there was a nice quantity of spring barley uh, planted somewhere in late february early march direction that's some of that's uh, been harvested over the last while 
Some of that is done, yeah. You, you have a huge variation in spring barley in terms of ripening. I think, um, as you say, you had that late February, early March. There was some of, some of those, particularly in kind of the likes of East Cork, maybe North Wexford, those kind of traditional spring barley areas. And then obviously we had later planting around Easter and, and then later into the end of April. But those early ones, growers did get into those in the in the last couple of cutting windows. Um, I suppose there's two things about them, really. A lot of them are in around the tree ton and a shade with it, which is, which is good. However, uh, those crops last year were probably doing three and a half ton and, and, and north of it. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's just maybe the, the, the year thing there. Um, and, and I suppose the other kind of maybe thing to watch out for is they did look to be the best crops all year, you know, so I suppose that's maybe a signal of where spring barley is, is possibly going this year. Um, a lot of those earlier ones as well would have been for malting because they would have been in, in those kind of uh, traditional malting areas. And I think the, the signal I'm getting so far is that most of them have passed. Uh, however, I think proteins are quite low. So KPH has been OK. The moisture has been of, of what's cut has been OK, uh, but proteins quite low. And I, go, I, I heard up this part of the world, Karen, that some of the proteins were kind of distilling proteins. So they're actually very low in terms of, mm. you know, down under that 8.8 .8 mark. So um, there's uh, but look, there's a lot of a lot of uh, crops to go. And the chances are with the lower yielding crops, they'll probably th that the proteins will probably creep up quite a bit and quite quickly in those. Just, just thinking about those, um, some of those existing crops of barley that's out there, Kieran. Uh, there seems to be a lot of green growth, secondary growth. I don't know about it. Maybe it's even third growth coming into some of these spring barleys. Are you seeing much of that down around your part of the world? Yeah, certainly, it's 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 going to be a big issue going forward, um, and especially for malting, because you know if you're going to get green grains in a sample, it's going to result in in failures. But look, it's a it's an issue for everyone for 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 feed barley growers as well. I suppose we have a bit of history here in, like I remember in 2020, it certainly was a big issue, especially in tram lines and 2018 as well, which was a very unusual year. Now, 2018, the summer came so good that probably a lot of that stuff ripened in and actually turned into being helpful in terms of, of yield. Uh, 2020, which was certainly more, more difficult to manage. So it's out there. There's plenty of it in fields. You know, you can see it at the moment. Um, and that's going to cause certainly harvesting difficulties and especially in terms of for malting barley you know i suppose there might be even two different just looking at some crops up around here Karen, there might be a couple of different types of green grains in it some of some of it is is you know has come a while back and it's it's reasonably well filled out which may well up, end up in the green grains but then there's some of the very later stuff that actually came through in crops and maybe even some of the lodge crops um very little in those and the chances are they mightn't end up in the tank they might end up out the back of the combine anyway but Nonetheless, it's all a bit of a worry. Have you got a? Is there anything a, a farmer can do uh, if you know if they're worried about it in terms of trying to get some of that over the weighbridge for malt and barley? Oh, sure, it's really difficult. I mean, if you can, and this is theory and practice here are two different things but like if if you can avoid some of those patches in a field you know and maybe if you've got a field to pick out a portion of the field that you know doesn't have a lot of green grains or secondary growth in it you know and try and make a load or two loads of of of, of grain from malting barley and in some way 
maybe leave the greener bits or cut them later or, or certainly, you know, keep that bit for, for the feed heap. Maybe that, that's just some way, but it's really difficult to, to do anything other than that. Obviously, you can't use glyphosate for ripening or that. That's not allowed on on on, on the likes of malting barley and, and, and seed crops there as well. So I think, look, it's just sort of trying to, you know, pick and choose the, the right field, really, or the right parts of a field for malting barley is about as much growers can do, Michael. A difficult, it's going to be a very difficult year to finish up, I think, here, and it's not, it's not going to be easy mm. in that. But, yeah. but but talking about finishing up, there's um, the nitrate rules of which people were getting used to last year, which stated that um, all fields needed to be stubble cultivated if they were going to spring crops um, within 14 days of harvest. That That has changed, I think, over the last week or so, has it? Yeah, the department there, and I suppose in fairness, it was always part of the regulation that, you know, if there were weather issues that, you know, there could be amendments to that. And, and they have done that in fairness. So um, that's be, that 14 days now has been extended out to, um, to uh, 28 days, you know. So I suppose, look, that gives growers a little bit of, of leeway there. Uh, in terms of stubble cultivation, you know, but but it doesn't. There's no exemption in terms of not doing doing it at all, apart from the eighty percent uh, only cultivating eighty percent and having twenty percent left for for the birds if everything's going to the spring. Yeah, and that, like that, that will be reviewed. So that twenty eight days will take out to the first of September, you know, and then I suppose the, the department can can review it again and see if, if 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 further amendments are needed. So as we stand today, that stubble cultivation is 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 out to twenty eight days. Okay, but it's obviously very tricky. I, I know certainly up here, it's probably I don't know. I put put another half an inch of rain probably up here again in Carlow last night or all the way up till this morning. Ground is very wet. Is there a best way? I mean, should farmers actually be avoiding soils at the moment for as long as they can until see if they can get it to dry out, or or what's the best advice for that? Oh yes, yeah, certainly. I I think. <sighs> You know, if my own view of it is, look, you, you, you can't stubble cultivate and, 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 you know, wet conditions. That's just a no-no. It's it, Nothing is going to grow and, you know, you're just going to have a, a mess there. And that's 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 not what anybody wants. It damages soil structure. So I think the, I, in my own view is, is to try and plan it as best you can. So there's 20 to 25% of your area that you do not need to stubble cultivate because that's for uh, seed-eating birds. So I'd be trying to plan that you know what 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 area can i dedicate to that if it is a requirement on the farm because if you've all winter cereals you, you obviously won't have that so that's the that's the first thing i'd be doing really you know is 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 trying to plan out that bit then have a look at where your winter cereals where you're planning there to put those and and try and you know maybe prioritize then maybe the fields that you will need to do and then when the opportunity comes you know to to try and do it then you know yeah. And of course, there, there, there's an added complication there where um, we mentioned straw earlier, where uh, farmers have put in for the same scheme or the, the straw incorporation measure scheme. Um, and they will have to incorporate that straw at some stage into the soil. What would be the best advice there? Oh, look, wait, absolutely wait until conditions are right. You know, I think that's that 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 just has to be the the priority. And Michael, I also might say as well, like we're, we're in a we've gone through a difficult month of July. The forecast as we sit here today isn't brilliant. 
And I think, you know, to, to prioritise the big stuff, you know, and the big stuff is getting the crop off the field. That has to be number one, you know, and then try and deal with, with straw and stubble cultivation and the catch crops after that. Like, but, the, you know, we've limited resources on every farm. And I think for the moment, I think the advice from our end anyway should be like that, you know, the big stuff is the crop, you know, that's that's where the money is financially and all of that. So try and deal with that. And then, you know, try and, uh, you know, bit by bit, try and get through the stubble cultivation and, and, and dealing with the straw after that, you know. Uh, just in terms of the straw, we talked we talk a little bit about the winter barley straw. Some of it's been on the ground now for nearly a month. I was only looking at a, a, a crop there this morning where um, you could actually see the volunteers growing within the sward and up through the sward. So swords are starting to green up, if you know what I mean. So, um there's bound to be a lot of losses off of that, even if it hasn't been moved at all. What yeah. do you think farmers should do with that? I mean, the quality obviously has disintegrated in that. There's no no two ways about it. Um, but is there any best advice around that? Oh, sure. There's nothing you can do when you leave it. I mean, the worst thing you can do is 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 turn it and 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 then it gets wet again. You know, so I I think the only thing you can do there is just leave it. You know, it's not doesn't look well. It's all bleached on top and it's starting to get dirty underneath. But you know, it's just leave it there until there's a forecast where you know you're going to get maybe a week of of of, of dry weather and and try and handle it. Then there's no point in 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 doing anything with it um, before then. And and look, obviously, I, I know and. In the distilling industry, they talk about the angel share where you put, you know, whiskey in a barrel and you lose whatever it is, a couple of percent of it every year. And and it's the same with straw. I mean, you know, if there was 10 bales to the acre, if it, if it had been baled, you know, when it was cut, you know, you, you're certainly looking at, at at lower yields at this stage. And that's that's something to, to keep in mind as well. I suppose that might have a bit of an upside, Karen, in terms of the market, will it, um, from the point of view of... You know, there's there's less winter barley out there this year. The uh, straw that's there probably isn't going to be wonderful. Um, there is less um, uh, early sown spring barley with a lot of straw on that. There's a lot of later sown spring barley. We expect a lot less straw from that. And I suppose on top of that, we have a, a, a record amount of people putting in for straw incorporation. So. Do you think that should should uh, bode well then in terms of being a relatively good market for straw if we can oh, manage to get it into a bale? I think so. I certainly think so. I mean, if you if you look at the numbers, like the cereal area this year is down six percent, and as you said there, there's been a swing from winter barley to spring barley, which obviously reduces the number of bales of straw, and then we've had late sown barley, which obviously will have lower yield again. So that that that's a factor, and the other factor then is the sim area is up to. Um, I think it's up to 70,000 overall, probably is it 56 or 7,000 of that uh, is cereals. And I think that's a, a 30 odd percent increase on, on last year. So, you know, all the factors are there to that's kind of reducing the amount of straw that's going into the market and look some of that winter barley straws we just spoke about there a while ago, you know, wherever it started, it's going to be less now. So, um, you know, look, the market should be strong. Um, and I suppose the other thing is about it as well. When we have straw that we're trying to deal with in terms of turning it, like a lot of that might be, you know, have to be scattered out maybe twice and, and raked in and baled. Like, I mean, there's a lot of additional costs there as well. So I think that's a that's a factor as well that, that, that we shouldn't lose sight of because the cost of making that bale is going to be a bit more than the normal this year as well, you know. Yeah, and I suppose thinking about um, you know scattering out onto wet soil is probably not ideal either, because the majority of soils are probably at um, the probably at uh, uh, soil you know soil capacity I suppose in terms of water at this stage, 
Is there, or are you seeing much, because there's certainly a, a share of crops that are, are, are now lodged that, that are still due to be harvested. Is there any of that uh, starting to, um, you know, germinate on the head or any secondary growth kind of coming back up from the from from that area that that's, uh, needs to be, I suppose, thought about before we get to the harvest? Early days to be talking about sprouting and things. No, haven't certainly seen that. Um, the weather look is 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 not favourable at the moment. Um, you know, but look in terms of lodging, I suppose spring barley is probably the the number one crop that you see around the place where we we've got a lot of lodging. That that early sowing stuff uh, was just probably a little bit more mature, and we've very little lodging in that. It's it's generally the the later ones that that we're seeing a bit of lodging in. You know, certainly a nice bit of lodging in winter wheat around the place as well. So look. That's that's a factor, um, and it's going to make it difficult, obviously, to harvest. You need we're going to need fine weather to to get those crops, you know. So frustratingly enough, I suppose for every farmer, there is um, you know there's plenty of downtime in this harvest. There's there won't be much done today or tomorrow out in the fields, at least anyway. But I'm just thinking and projecting. I know we haven't got this harvest in, but. Uh, next year is actually not that far away in terms of oilseed rape planting time. Should people be thinking about that at the moment, um, given the window is somewhere around maybe the second, third week in, in, in August or maybe to the end of August? I know it's 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 odd to be talking about it when there's possibly a crop growing or, or straw in the field that would be destined for maybe for, for winter oilseed rape. But look, as you say, you can't beat a bit of planning. Have a look at the recommended list in terms of varieties, you know, um, like the crew, you know, to just to plan ahead, I suppose, really have have everything lined up if that opportunity comes there at the end of August to, to get it in that, you know, just to have your soil test reports, you know, what fertilizer you need, if you need any, if there's opportunities for organic manure, those kind of things, I suppose, you know, just have it lined up if there's a bit of downtime at the moment. But as you say, it's kind of odd to be talking about it when we're still trying to remove crops in the field, but look, a bit of planning is going to make that job easier when it comes around and look i'd see rape has been good to growers in the last few years as well so it's a crop that's that's very valuable in the system in its own right but also from the rotational perspective as well you know and the benefits that that's bringing to the system so not to forget about it michael is true yeah and kieran is there any lessons that were learned from the 2023 20, uh, season that can be brought across into into next year in terms of choice of variety or we mentioned i think earlier around the um the pod shatter resistance um is there is there one or two things that you were kind of bringing from from last year into this into next year yeah i i mean i suppose we're all conscious of the cost of fertilizer and like if you can get like sowing date is crucial now look that weather dependent but like you can see that last year where and the year before you know getting in there at the you know dependent part of the country in the middle and the and the back end of august but getting that crop sown in august gives you a great opportunity because it builds biomass over the over the autumn period into the spring you know and you know when you're doing your green area index measurements in the spring you know you can save substantially on fertilizer but it's the sowing date is probably the crucial part to that and if there's an opportunity you know we're seeing this every year to put a bit of organic manure oilseed rape is one of, is the best crop really that you can you can sow in the autumn to utilize organic manure if there's an opportunity for that 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 can result in significant savings you know so i think sowing date probably michael would be the biggest thing that i'd be kind of getting from you know the last few seasons keep it in august anyway don't uh, don't, don't don't let it slip to september i suppose would be the thing with it if it's possible, yeah. If it's possible, yeah, certainly. Okay, well, look, on that note, it's positive, I suppose, for, for next year and 
hopefully farmers will um, ha have a chance to be a bit of a break in the weather to try and get some of the, the backlog uh, uh, finished out. So Kieran, thanks very much for your time again. Oh, well, thanks Michael. Just to remind you again, a date for your diary is Friday, September the 8th, when we're having the Crops Forum in the Killishy Hotel in Nace. We will cover a number of topics this year, including new varieties, agronomy for the autumn, the new MAC or climate change model for tillage, and also a discussion forum with the tillage stakeholders around the future of the tillage industry. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague, and as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy, thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.